Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. So I have a question for you, and that's how do you get a busy marketing leader to give you or your agency the time of day? You can have everything perfectly positioned. You could have all the case studies in the world, and still they might not talk to you if they were not actively looking for an agency right now. So what do you do? Because you know that you have to be opening these doors consistently and early so that you are the shoe in when that need actually arises and so that you can actually encourage a solution to the problem that the brand might be experiencing. But how do you open that door to begin with? Well, it's a simple yet difficult task and its simplicity lies into sending the right words to the right people. The problem is most agencies never figure out how to do it at scale. So they remain tethered to sporadic referrals, RFP, dog and pony shows, and other stuff that tends to create a feast and famine dynamic. To get beyond this, many agencies spin their wheels even more on start and stop campaigns, and they just sort of end up as the cobbler's children forever. They, they serve their clients well, but they don't effectively market themselves. So instead of overcomplicating the sales process and trying to do everything under the sun, what if you had a repeatable process for simply opening doors, for de-risking conversations with busy and skeptical prospects? Today, I'd like to give you something that's going to help in a big way, and it's basically 10 effective agency-to-brand email templates that we have developed from thousands of campaigns. You can get that by going to saleschema.com slash templates, plural. Again, that's saleschema.com slash templates. As a little disclaimer, this lead magnet will not completely solve the problem of getting repeatable new business, but it's going to be a big step in the right direction since a little inspiration can go a long way. So that's saleschema.com slash templates. Again, saleschema.com slash templates. So first off, just want to apologize for the the kind of crappy audio quality for the intro. The rest of this forthcoming interview should be good quality. So with everybody being remote, uh, there's a lot of companies now that are kind of in this wild west zone of experimenting with trying to either you know mimic an in person culture digitally or or at least trying to bring some other like new and useful dynamic to, to working remotely. And today's guest is is one of those, you know, wild west cowboys uh on the forefront of this. And he's a good friend of mine. His name is Martijn Orentius. He is from Utrecht, Netherlands. Uh I know Martijn from you know various kind of like entrepreneurs groups we're in. Uh he's a background in in conversion rate optimization and CRO. And more recently, uh, he is the founder of a company called Otira, which is basically a, an AI system that plugs into Slack and helps build your team culture. So this is definitely getting into some brave new worldy kind of stuff, uh, but it's super interesting. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see you know how Martine's company progresses. So without further ado, please give it up for Martine Rinches. So we're here with uh, Martine. Martine, how do you pronounce your last name again? I'm just going to butcher, butcher it every time. Um, you call it Reintjes. Martine Reintjes. Reintjes. Proper Dutch. Nice. Very um, cool. So yeah. this is your your working caravan. Wait, show us. Can you yeah. show us it again? Yeah, let me. Like, I'll take a step back. So I feel like you need is... to be like a Jamaican guy smoking a spliff <laughs> if you're going to own that. You're going to work yeah. in there. <laughs> I, uh, I I I I bought it this way, and then um, it was like a very old one. It's actually like a classic Belgium style K 
caravan. It's, um, yeah. uh, I don't know, I bought it for like a couple hundred bucks. And, and then I those... renovated it and put it in my garden. So it's now our, our COVID office, actually. Very cool. And for, for those listening, it is a green and yellow, uh, I guess kind of like mini windstream would be the closest like U.S. comparison. And where in the world are you, Martijn? I live in the Netherlands. I'm in Utrecht, which is deck smack in the middle of uh the netherlands very cool yeah that's uh what's what's the the vibe like there nowadays uh it's rainy and it's uh, a bit cold because well it's winter and um yeah it's it's kind of i don't know yeah yeah and most places in the world kind of kind of locked down and kind of not super fun yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be over it soon. Um, but uh, to get into what you're up to, so we we go back a, a long way and I, I definitely want to get to to Slack and chat apps and, and that whole world. But first, for, for those that don't know, you can you talk a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now? Uh, yeah, of course. So, um, uh, so yeah, I um, do go quite some while back so my um i'm coming because there's so many things we could talk about but <laughs> <laughs> well, well i guess to, to like guide it a little bit i'd love to talk about uh crow or conversion rate optimization because i i remember you know i think we we went to an event we're both part of a, a networking you know organization for entrepreneurs called dynamite circle and you gave this presentation mm-hmm. on conversion rate optimization and for those that aren't as nerdy as is me or, or you that might be listening. That's the idea of, you know, when somebody gets on a page, how, how do you increase the, the conversion rate? How do you increase the number of people to click through? And yeah, there were just like all these sacred cows that you were destroying about people just getting fooled and thinking they were smarter than they were um, with conversion rate optimization. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So yeah, um, uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I have uh, been running um conversion optimization business agency for the last um, five years or so. I um, actually uh, stepped away from that in the last year. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of uh, stuff we can talk about. Um, lots of um, uh, interesting things there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I am um, um, an entrepreneur. I basically like to build um, things, new things, uh, come up with new projects and stuff. So after a couple of years, I um, I thought I had done my while there and I'm uh, um, starting something. Yeah, and, and to start there, like where 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 do you see misconceptions and people kind of getting uh, conversion CRO conversion rate optimization wrong? Like what were the things that you would observe where you're just like these numbers they pulled out are BS? You know. So yeah. So what's uh, conversion rate optimization? Uh, or A-B testing, uh, which is generally uh, what it's uh, all about. Um, it's not for the most of us. So you can have a very, very nice website. Um, you might think that you have some nice traffic, but it's probably not enough to do some proper significant uh, A-B testing on it. Um, so the general very minimum guideline we had was you either you probably need like or you need like a hundred thousand visitors each month and do at least a thousand conversions 
Uh, wow. Below that, you can't really um, make any significant uh, findings uh, there because um, if you only have like a couple conversions there or like 100, and then we do an A-B test where um, in general, like an A-B test, you change something on a website or on a page or whatever, and that's then your variation. And then you're going to test what uh, if your conversions probably are doing better on this uh, this variant, this change that you made uh, or not. But to do that, you have to split your traffic. So half of your traffic goes to your original site, half of the traffic goes to the um, to, to your variation. And so from those five, from those um, uh, thousand uh, people that converted actually, uh, eventually in that month, only 500 will convert on the other one, on one page and on the, on the other variation. So, uh, and then you have to find like a big enough difference between those. So um, you could have like 10 people converting from uh, uh, on the original more than on the other, but that could be like, and you say, oh, that's a couple, that's like a percentage point or something uh, uh, better. So that's obviously better. So the change sucks, but then 10 people difference on that amount, that's not, it's not enough. It's not, it's just a, it could be like a fluke of like, I don't know. Randomness. More people. Yeah. Randomness. Exactly. Right. So uh, most people, most websites don't really have enough traffic to do AB testing. There. Yeah. So why is that? Like, why, why does it have to be a hundred? Like what, what, what do you, what are you seeing in the data that makes you say, okay, below, I, I'm sure it's not literally a hundred, maybe it can vary a little bit, but why is it that you have to get over that hump before you actually feel like you have meaningful data? That question makes any sense. Well, then um, you have to go into the math, <laughs> math yeah. uh, quite thoroughly. Um, basically because, uh, because of randomness. Um, so um, if you have uh, the more data you have, uh, the more certain you can become about the results that that data predicts. So um, if you don't have uh, enough data, then you can have, um, like, because of this randomness, it could become false positives or false negatives, where the data says like, hey, this, is, this, this variation is doing better, but that could be due to randomness. So um, the more data points you have, the less random those data points become, and the more you can say about it. Right. And it seems like the entire ecosystem of marketing, you know, is therefore being fooled by randomness to quote the Taleb book, because almost nobody has the, that level of data. I mean, unless you're dealing with a big consumer site, it seems like there's precious few people that are working with a hundred thousand hits a month, you know, thousand plus conversions, et cetera. Uh, so what's your take on that? Do you, do you think that like, it, you know, who, who, I guess, who's actually doing this right in your, in your opinion? Well, a lot of people are doing this right. And a lot of people doing this wrong as well. So um, if you don't have those conversions, like a thousand conversions a month. Um, so that is basically all um, uh, consulting uh, companies or agencies or uh, uh, whatever, we try to lure people in maybe via um, content marketing or whatnot, or maybe ads. And then, um, um, yeah, they are, would be happy if they have like 10 new clients each month. That would be great for like a general agency. But you, yeah, that's such a low number that you can't really 
say anything meaningful on it. Um, and a lot of e-commerce companies are also very happy if they do like a hundred uh, orders a month, like a small uh, small e-commerce store it could survive on a hundred uh, orders, but that's still not enough to actually test on. So yeah. you kind of have to have like a mid-size uh, e-commerce store doing about like seven figures or something. Those are like the things, the the, the metrics where you might start to think about um, A/B testing. Uh, right. Otherwise, your energy is spent on other better spend on other things. Right. Right. So you know, let's say that I'm an agency and I have an e-commerce client, and they're getting whatever five thousand hits a month, and you know, a few dozen conversions or, or whatever. They're, they're below that 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 uh, that line. And I have this incentive to go say, hey, look, we raised your conversions this amount. Oh, went down this month for these reasons or whatever. What's And, and that's probably BS, it sounds like, because there's just not enough data. So what's the next best alternative? Is my only option to just say to my client, I don't know, it's just random? Like, what? how do you handle that situation? <laughs> um, yeah, so it's not... Um... Uh, I wasn't in that space because we were doing A-B testing. So we were working with like slightly bigger companies there. But um, yeah, instead of like A-B testing and making it like a pure scientific uh, numbers game, um, there's all sorts of things that you could do to improve a website, um, but you still need data. So from uh, there you might rely more on more quantitative data. So um, you could look into your analytics, for example, and see like, hey, how are people moving through a site? You could um, look at uh, heat maps or um, you have these, these screen recorder kind of websites which like show how a user goes through your website. And by looking at that data, you can get a lot of insight in how people are using your site. So for example, like you really want them to click that button, but everyone ignores the button. So something is wrong in the design there. So you could change something to make the button pop up more. And then, yeah, people are, so, so then you can say like, hey, more people are now clicking this button. So you um, could use uh, more quantitative data or qualitative data to, um, yeah, to find those things and then maybe uh, target micro conversions and see if there's an uplift there. Right. So it sounds like there's sort of these things that like probabilistically are just worth doing and you know, you're going to, you might get some data from it, but you kind of have to just, uh, just do kind of a trust fall that it's, it's a good idea to do these certain things, even if you might not ever be able to prove definitively that it's brought in the lift. Um, yeah. So you could still look at the, um, and like your data, like your visitors, or your the conversions that are, or maybe the, the uplift in revenue that the brings. Um, I don't think you could definitely definitely say that you are causing the uplift, uh, but you can just say like, hey, we've been working on these things because of this data, and we now see that the data uh, that your revenues are going up. So yeah, no likeliness. We've been like helping you a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, and don't worry. I don't want to spend you know too long on the the CRO stuff because I know you're doing you know new and interesting I things. Know, so love but to, and this 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 is where I get into meandering territory. But uh, so I might I might not frame this perfectly. But I guess like you know how much did you feel a negative incentive to when you were in the CRO space to be more certain with clients versus being uncertain? Like how did you 
how did you navigate that where you're looking at this data and you're like, we're not really sure what's going on, but you're, it seems like you would be pushed to have like an, a clean explanation for people. So, so anyway, I wanted to hear if that was a dynamic that is familiar to you and how you dealt with it. Yeah. That's uh, also something I didn't quite like about the industry. Uh, and it's more with agencies. Uh, I see that happening in the advertising space as well, PCL stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's really tough to make a good sales uh, plea and that you're causing this uplift while you actually know that you're maybe not or that that's not. So, uh, and yeah, you know each other, you know I'm very honest and direct. So <laughs> I, I probably fumbled in some sales calls and stuff uh, because of that, uh, honestly. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a thing. Um, you have to be like, there's there's a lot of people, uh, uh, dishonest people in the zero space who just like, say like, yeah, hello, or they're, they're calculating the data in such a way that they look good, but that doesn't really, um, uh, really yeah. work for their clients or their projects. Right. Well, it almost seems like, you know, a lot of people doing it have fooled themselves. You know, they're, they're their biggest victim. <laughs> so they're, they're believing they're smoking well. their own well. Right. Right. That makes but sense. That's cool. also because people are not really honest about like what the data shows and um, what data is hard. And if you're not like schooled in like how it all works and what the, the chances are and the probabilities and like all that, how it actually works, which is quite complicated to dive into. Yeah, it's very easy to say like, okay, this happens and um, yeah, it looks good. So uh, yay, profits. Right, yeah. right. And it's it's reflexive and it's changing. And, you know, so it's, I think there's there's precious few people that, that actually understand it. So I think that's the bears repeating, you know, for sure. So, so I guess, um, yeah, maybe we, I'd love to move on to just what, what are you up to now? Um, yeah, right now, um, uh, a lot of playing with the kids because they can't go to school. But besides that, uh, which might be more interesting to your audience, uh, is um, uh, I'm building uh, Otira. And Otira is uh, an online team interaction reporting assistant, or at least that's the... Um, oh, now I kind of missed the English word. But anyways, um, Otira is um, a chatbot, basically, which lives in Slack uh, and helps remote teams um, become more... Um, a stronger, stronger team. She helps create stronger teams and creates more like team interaction and helps uh, the managers to become better managers by feeding um, them more data, personal data about their team. Um, so yeah. how it works is there's like a lot of like she instigates some like social conversations, uh, but she also does like little surveys and with all the data she uh, helps the team to to bond better uh, and become like a stronger, more personal team. Very cool. And before we, we dig into that, um, I think that a lot of our listeners are, you know, managing agencies or working, you know, in leadership positions and agencies. And, you know, I've always thought about transitioning to a SaaS product or, or doing it on the side or, or whatever. So can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that transition and, you know, what motivated you and how you went yeah. about that? Oh, definitely. Because that's, that's like, um, <laughs> maybe it's a bit of like a, the grass is greener on the other side kind of thing. Like as an agency owner, you're like, oh yeah, let's let's build this us so we don't have all these uh, these clients anymore. Um, which I was very much uh, also thinking of when I wanted to do a SaaS uh, as well. Um, but on the other side, I now also find that's like 
mm, it's also nice to have like a nice juicy client that pays you like a couple k a month for on a retainer so you can work for them <laughs> so there's 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 a different dynamic there for sure um but that being said i love building stuff and uh, i love build like doing projects and um so i really i feel that this is more in my um my comfort zone than working with clients um because it helps me like um define my own working hours and define my own projects basically because well it's all transpires for me um uh, what i'm doing yeah very cool and, and to get into it a little bit more so what what inspired you to focus on solving that problem of, of building teams and working with chat apps and so on mm -hmm. yeah i've been like like working remotely working from home um that's like the big thing with the covid right um everyone has to work from home right now but i've been working remotely for the last i don't know 15 years maybe so uh, and i've been working with remote teams uh, for at least 10 years um um, with remote it's distributed all over the world so there's developers in, in, in um, the South America or the Eastern European uh, countries um, um, uh, people in the Philippines uh, in Africa maybe there's like been working with the whole world which is super fun but also super complicated um, to get, or it brings its challenges of course and one of those challenges is like how do you get like a nice uh, good team spirit good team feel in such a distributed team where you only see people through a camera if you see them at all and like um have like short interactions or maybe you do like a, a weekly uh, all hands team call which is also uh, complicated to do so it's it's hard to find to create those um those more intimate personal relationships in like these kinds of teams and um, loneliness is also one of the most um, the biggest problems in like teams like this and that's also what a lot of people are now experiencing like hey getting a bit lonely just staying inside your house and uh, missing the comfort and the, the social interactions with your, your teammates yeah so that's basically I, I, the, the premise there yeah I, I hear you and I think that to some extent I've had trouble kind of wrapping my head around the problem just because we've been such a fish in water for so long, like both, both you and me. And then also my, my, our, our team, you know, since 2014, we've been entirely remote and we tend to work with the sort of people that are used to working remotely and it hasn't been mm -hmm. that disruptive. Um, so I'm trying to bring this to a question, I guess, what, what, like, let's bring this to chat apps. Like where, where do you think chat apps fit into that? And, and, you know, where, where do you think they're particularly strong and where are their shortcomings? <laughs> um, so, um, when you don't have an office, you do need a space, uh, to come together as a company. Um, and for a lot of companies that is uh, Slack, which is, um, basically a chat application. It's a lot of different like channels where you can have different kinds of conversations um and other companies are using uh their tools so you can use your um your, your project management tool there as well like asana or trello or whatever um but those don't really feed in the, the communication aspect of it um so as a team you need to communicate because so if you don't communicate you're not really a team so you need a space to communicate there and especially if you're like globally distributed with your team um um uh, things you uh, have been asynchronized, uh, asynchronously, uh, whatever. Um, 
and um, that uh, then chat apps are really great for that because I could like type in like an update or a message or whatever, and my teammates um, uh, three time zones away just reads it in six hours and replies um, when it's convenient to uh, to her. Um, yeah, so that, that's the, the 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 thing with chat apps. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I've, I've always been a little bit, you know, bearish on chat apps, to be honest, just because I'm, I'm, I've had trouble kind of figuring out like where they slot into everything else, where, you know, you have your project management, you have your sauna or or whatever, you have your email, you have your, your text and phone for uh, Mm -hmm. your zoom. So I, I always kind of felt like, you know, a lot of times Slack was creating like a lot of noise that didn't, it was like a square peg in a round hole. Like it was hard to figure out where it fit into everything else, but I'm totally open to the idea that we were doing it wrong and we didn't set, set it up the right way. So, you know, I've read a lot of different philosophies on this. I think the most, one of them that impressed me recently was the base camp guys wrote this manifesto. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not about where chat apps should fit into everything else in team communication, but I'd love to hear, mm-hmm. you know, your, your take on that. Like, where do you think, what sort of communication should be handled on chat apps? What shouldn't and so on? Well, that's a big complaint about chat apps that they're like, um, it could be very annoying and they pull you in all the time. Um, but I think that is mostly about like not having good um, etiquette around it. So when do you use uh, the chat app? What kind of messages are you going to use? That? Are you app uh, replying people or how are your notifications set up? Um, so if you have some, co- uh, some company guidelines around that or some personal guidelines as well, um, then it doesn't have to be very disruptive in your your workflow, and it could be very like a nice way to communicate or a nice um, uh, place to communicate. Um, I'm not familiar with the exact thing that the Basecamp people um, are talking about. I know they are pretty. Um, yeah, they have some really interesting ideas on a lot of things. Yeah, they're very uh, <laughs> contrarian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not quite sure what they uh, they think about chat apps. I guess they're not a fan. No, um, so they're they're it's more nuanced than that. I think they they are a fan for certain things. So so anyway, I don't I don't remember well enough to to rehash it, but um, to to not you know, beat up chat apps. I think it sounds like there's, there's obviously lots of value and there's, there's teams everywhere that are making Slack, you know, do amazing things. Um, can, can you talk a bit about, you know, some tangible examples, just kind of how you see, you know, camaraderie and culture really being built on these apps and just kind of how you see that playing out in your world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I, I really like is, um, especially like in, 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 in I, I like the asynchronicity about it. So if you're not around because you have your day off or you're in another time zone, if you're just walking the dog or you're not working at that time, you can still like read up on everything, uh, on the conversations. Um, uh, so yeah, instead of like uh, doing it like directly, you, you just miss the meeting or whatever. Um, but what I uh, what I like about uh, chat apps is that you can then also like have different channels for things like a um, like a winning channel where you celebrate all the wins in the company or the personal gains or whatever. So if there's something to celebrate, like yeah, I just uh, ran uh, my first 10k, that was amazing. Or hey, we closed this big client. Or hey, this uh, A/B test uh, 
broke a record and is, uh, um, is, is, is doing great. Um, could be all kinds of things. And then you see others like piling on on that celebration and you get like this like um, thing like, hey, yeah, we're this positive vibe around that. But also um, just sharing things uh, about like, hey, what, what have you done this weekend? And uh, um, yeah, I, I went hiking or I went to a, a football match. Um, and then people like, oh yeah, I love hiking as well. Hey, I went uh, to this place last summer. Here's some pictures. And uh, with these like interactions, you do get to know your your your, your team members a bit better, uh, which then strengthens your relationship because like you you create a bit more personal rapport, uh, which um, helps like with your relationship amongst each other, but then also helps uh, when you need each other when there's a project. Um, uh, going bad or you have to like pull an all-nighter or whatever because those bonds are much stronger you can then like get it as a real team instead of like sitting yeah. by yourself in the dark yeah that, that makes a lot of sense and i'd love to hear your thoughts on like camaraderie building in these sort of mixers you know in a remote environment right because it used to be that you would you would have like an off-site once or twice a year and it'd be fun mm-hmm. and it would be nor- during your normal working hours. And, you know, my, my girlfriend has gotten like dragged into a lot of the remote kind of mixers where you're like working late and you're like doing these little games with people. And it always feels like mm-hmm. everyone's kind of, it's kind of awkward. Um, I, I don't know if anybody's having a ton of fun. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. So I just love to hear your thoughts on that. Like how much of this stuff do you think can be effectively mimicked remotely versus, how which like what should you just give up on and <laughs> just <laughs> admit that it's not you're not going to be able to do do it justice so um it's different working remote and not having an office is different than working in an office of course um so you can't expect the same uh the same things there so with uh working remote um, you gain a lot more freedom about like how you schedule your day, where you work, um, how you dress, um, stuff like that. Um, uh, but with like working in an office, yeah, you have more of these like human interactions. Um, so yeah, there's they both have their advantages. So I love uh, when you're in a remote working situation, um, try to meet each other. Like you're. Um, your the way you communicate uh, online uh, goes so much better uh, after you actually met each other in person. Um, so yeah. these 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 mixers uh, are super uh, super important. Um, and yeah, with travel restrictions, it's it's difficult to do those. Uh, but when things are opening up again, yeah, definitely do that if you're working in a remote team. Yeah. And I think about that a lot because, you know, I think that if, if you, it's, this is hard for, for everybody, you know, the transition I think is, is really tough regardless of what, where you are. But I feel like if I was early career and, you know, starting at an agency and I was only working remotely, I don't know what, what I would have accomplished. It definitely would have been a lot less, you know, just not being able to easily build those connections and everything and, you know, friendships, which led to, to other things and, and so on from, from there. So I, I would say that it's uh, it's it would be really hard if you were just starting out somewhere to to get too advanced, you know, in a remote context. But with that in mind, like, can can you talk a bit more about Otira at this point and just kind of like what how does it work? Like, what, what are you doing with it? How, how are you using it to build more connections between employees? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's harder. Like, like what you just said, it's harder if you uh, haven't never met people online um, to 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 create that rapport, to create that connection. But it's still very much possible. There's like plenty of like online relationships going on, or people who are gaming together, or also in remote uh, team settings. Um, you just have to be aware of it and work uh, work on it. Like try to um to to craft those relationships um, um you have to be mindful about it uh what otira does is that she um, helps you uh with that so instead of like you as a team leader or someone if you're lucky enough someone active in your team um asking about like hey how was the weekend otira will ask like hey guys um i never been outside uh because i'm an artificial entity but um, yeah, what did you do this weekend? Because it was super quiet to uh, say. And what Atira does uh, is she she reads a character, so so there's like a backstory there, and um, she she really uh, communicates as an entity instead of just like uh, a dumb bot saying like, "Hey, um, post a picture of your weekend." And because of that, she becomes also the part of the team, and people are more inclined to actually post that. But then people then posting there. Uh, how their weekend was people start reacting on that and that creates relationships uh, be, like I said before because like now you know a bit about the personal lives of these people and you can relate to that um, as well so sure. what Otira does is she she tries to um, on one side she tries to engage uh, people in more of these social uh, communications by like instigating like these discussions or asking questions uh, a couple times a week um, which people can then respond to or not if they are not uh, finding it interesting or whatever. Um, so that's one of the ways um, that Otira uh, works with that. The yeah. other way. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to cut sorry. you off. I was just, I was just going to say it almost reminds me of like how a musician will put a five dollar bill in the case, and then people will see that people have donated, and then it'll encourage you know more more donations it's almost like that like so if i understand right she's kind of like seeding content and interacting with people and then that's going to encourage a lot more interaction yeah yeah that's that's an interesting analogy like you have to you have to key it a bit you have to like give a little much uh for something to happen and that's that's what otira does in, in, in those cases uh but also as like you as a as a, a business owner or team lead you have the responsibility or it's in your best interest <laughs> to put it a bit more uh, um, uh, like that to um, to build a strong team to um, so you also want to know uh, how your team is doing and not so much like if they're doing their t- task if they're still performing there because you kind of see that in your your product management tool but how are they doing like personally because that gives you a bit of an idea on where their energy levels are and if they're like trying to burn out or if they're uh, maybe looking for another job or something. So what Otira also does is doing these little pulse reports and pulse surveys, basically, where she asks each team member like a couple of questions, like, um, um, is there inter- did something interesting happen uh, last week, or how are you actually feeling, or uh, um, and then in a, um, or where were you struggling with? And these are quite. Uh, these questions are then asked in such a way, also more in a conversational tone, which emphasizes is emphasized with like chat. You're basically just chatting with Otira, which um, um, makes it that you're more inclined to to 
uh, answer truthfully. And these reports or these these answers can go back to the to you as a team manager, team lead, or a business owner, and you can actually get a quite a good feel, especially over time, um, how people are actually performing or how they're doing now. If they're having a rough time or there's some issues, or which you can then help them um, with to then feel better and then also be better uh, employees. Yeah, and, and what are you finding in terms of people's openness to interact with a robot? Um, well, because of the uh, people don't really see or they forget that Otira is a robot. They know it, but because of the way the questions are phrased and because there's like uh, some personality behind it, it doesn't feel like you're just like answering a bot. Um, so it's uh, uh, people are inclined or they're actually starting conversations or like responding to her like, oh yeah, Otira, I went uh, to the woods and uh, whatever, blah, blah. So it, it becomes a conversation and that's, that's the difference between like a lot of the other tools or like an email survey or whatever, just the form that you fill out. Um, so it becomes more personal as well. Uh, but it also depends on how you interact or react with it as a, uh, as a team lead where you do have to follow up with these things because it's, it's data there and people are like being vulnerable and you have to um, let them feel that they can be vulnerable and that you actually they actually did you actually do something with what they're telling you uh, there yeah that, that makes with. sense so so in, in what way are team leaders kind of setting up otira for the team how, how are they introducing this person or this quote-unquote person um yeah um uh, it's actually quite simple you invite, invite her to your slack base so you basically install it as any other slack app um and she's now just in slack we're now working also on a, a microsoft teams version but um uh, and she kind of does all the work she introduces herself like hey uh, i just uh, dan invited me to the team uh, this is what i do uh, i've been like asking some questions and uh, trying to engage with you guys um and um yeah so she she introduced uh, gradually her, her feature sets and her uh, Sure. But it's not, it's obviously it's, it's not trying, everybody knows that it's an AI, right. Yeah. Or, and um, it, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how, how many teams you're working with now, but is the idea that, you know, are people setting policies like you're expected to interact with Otira if you want to just put up a wall and not interact with it? Like, is that okay too? Or what, what, how are you seeing this play out? Yeah. So that's, that's up to the teams uh, yeah. as well. Um, so Utira, we, we just launched and there's like a whole kind of stuff that we are still building. Uh, one of the things is like, hey, um, the uh, what she can do is like sentiment analysis, like how people are responding to her if they're not responding to her. Um, that's also interesting uh, data for a team lead to know. So like, hey, this, uh, uh, this person in your team is not really communicating with me. Um, I'm not sure what's up with them. Maybe you should check in with them personally. Uh, and then you as a team leader could then like nudge your teammate to do answer Otira or maybe do it like on a more personal level. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because like one part of my brain is like, oh, this is super, you know, like, like science fiction-y and, and weird. And then the other side of my brain is like, well, you, you, people are sent surveys all the time and that's, there couldn't be anything less personal than a survey. And that's something that in many companies you're expected to fill out, you know, and that's kind of cold and doesn't yeah. really do much for you. And this seems like it's 
it's better than that. Right. So, so it's definitely interesting. It feels a lot more personal, but it's, it definitely depends on how, uh, how you as a team lead interact with that and follow up with it. Um, because you have to keep it personal. It's your team. Um, it's not that like Atira can do anything. So Atira is an assistant for you to manage your team better. Right. Right. Um, where is I going to go with this? And it's it's living on Slack and everything. So are there? Yeah, I guess are there are there other features? Are there other interesting things that you're doing with it? Um, that are just like use cases that that are coming up. Well, it's it's uh, Atira is designed to. Uh, to strengthen um, remote teams and help you become a better um, manager uh, by giving you like the data there. So everything around that, um, yeah, we're constantly evolving and improving on that, uh, making her like feel more human uh, or more not so much human, but that's a wrong term in this, but more uh, like improving her uh, communication skills, um, but also like um, trying to like. Um, yeah, she, she, she learns like how much interaction your team needs, uh, for example. So these are things that we keep on working with. That, like, do you uh, want to match your team every day with like uh, an update or like to instigate in some some uh, um, some conversations or like it's once or twice a week enough? It depends on the team, of course, and it depends on like uh, and these kind of settings or these kind of things should be like more like automated and more intelligently. Right, right. That makes sense. And, you know, kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea of like facilitating, you know, interactions between team members that might not normally interact. Is that something that that OTR is doing or that you're planning on on, on building in at some point? Yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, um, OTR um, wants you to communicate with your team members uh, and all the team members in between each other. So, um, yeah, that's definitely something uh, um, that that's on the roadmap to uh, uh, yeah, to see how we can do that uh, as well, improve uh, on that, like see if there's connect people more randomly or like, hey, um, something like, hey, Tira gets a lot of, learns like about everyone. So if she knows that, hey, you're really into uh, uh, anime movies and I know Dan is also really into anime movies, like, hey, well, you should, guys should connect because, well, maybe you should do like a online watch party with some like anime or whatever, um, stuff like that. Right, right. That that makes sense. And and just to, to kind of like dig into the problem that it's solving a little bit. So like, what's the situation on the ground a lot like in these teams? Like it, it's Slack and it, Slack's just kind of this dry place for work and, you know, not enough is being, you know, there's not enough connection being made. Is that kind of what you tend to see? Or is it just that it's, you know, a, a, a desert and nobody's communicating at all? Or like what's, what's usually happening and what, what does Otira kind of look to, to help uh, with? It depends a lot on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have someone in your team who is very socially adept and wants um, yeah, um, posting a lot, that really helps with other people also posting. Um, so it, de- it really depends on the team. What I do see is that most uh, founders uh, or team owners are like too busy to really... Um, uh, they're working on projects, they're communicating with clients, and then the team is just expected to do the job, do the tasks, meet the deadlines. And um, especially in like a remote team, um, yeah, then yeah. The, the personal the personal touch is getting lost and getting forgotten. So Tira will like 
help with that by like nudging you and giving you like updates and um, so yeah that's that's basically where the where the real value is to help you become a better manager and help your team um, there because everyone's just too busy and not really like just focusing on the tasks and that's also what you see in slack a lot like it's mostly about like projects or whatever and sometimes the random funny gif or yeah yeah, very cool. And then with that, you know, have you seen any results of that that bonding and that cultural improvement that have surprised you? Or is there anything that is there anything that might be a little bit counterintuitive that you've seen happen with the teams you're working with? Yeah, what I um, yeah, what I said before, what really surprised me was was that people really start interacting with Utira as if she's an entity and really asking her questions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's for me is a sign that she really becomes like part of a team um but um yeah and that people really respond towards each other like hey if you ask him to share something uh, then the rest of the team members like really pile up on that and share also as well and share as well uh, and that's really something that's really cool to see and um made me um makes me as a team owner really proud but now also when i uh, data back from Otira that other team did the same thing and it's just really yeah really cool to see your team um bonding it's um it's a bit like I've got a couple of kids now and it's really nice to see them play together and like oh yeah yeah it's really nice and it's a bit of the same feeling like your team members also yeah. have like your children as a, as a team owner like you feel responsible for them and it's really nice if they get along um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely fascinating, man. I'd love to look forward to seeing seeing how it evolves. So, I guess kind of getting getting towards the end of the time. Um, where are you, where are you with it now? Is this something that people on the are using Slack and download, and where can they go to get it and so on? Yeah, you can get some more information at otira.com. Um, That's O T I R A, correct? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Otira. And um, yeah, we now are installed. It's it's in private beta, um, so um, there's uh, there's now some teams that are having installed, getting feedback from it, uh, updating some of the features, and uh, um, yeah. So if, if if someone's interested, um, yeah, drop me a note through the website or uh, find me on Twitter and just um, and yeah, I'll hook you up. Awesome, man, Martin. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll get that yeah. linked up. Perfect. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. If you would like to get access to 10 effective agency-to-brand email outreach templates, again, this is a way to get inspired and open doors tastefully with your future dream clients by learning from real campaigns. So if you'd like to get access to that, you can go to saleschema.com slash templates, plural. Again, that's saleschema.com slash templates. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode.